This is the first time. Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center neighborhood. Here's your host, Jen Sodini. We've got Clarence Browling closing it out. He's a host, a co-host of The Stoop. It's every last Thursday of the month. It's Clarence Brally, Lily B, who's uh, here tonight, guys, over at their table. If you want a show that's committed to, like, Chirp is great, community. It's got a little bit of, like, a white North Side vibe. If you want to, like, expand out of your horizons, listen to some excellent, I mean, truly excellent storytellers, Go to the Stoop. It's every last Thursday of the month. It's at Rose's Lounge, which is at the corner of Kimball and Armitage. Guys, give it up. Clarence Brawley, closing it out. Yeah, I, uh, I quit drinking, and it smells like all the alcohol in here. So uh, if I start scratching myself at any point, just, just ignore it. All right, uh, growing up, I was always into martial arts. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how, but I was. And it's the shit. If you guys don't know what that is, it's people kicking and punching each other. Uh, Growing up, I had three male cousins. It's mostly women in my family, and uh, I had three male cousins. And we all had our favorite martial artists. Uh, The oldest, uh, his favorite was Bruce Lee. And yeah, okay, yeah. He's been dead for a while, but I mean, he is, the, he is the greatest, no doubt. But like, come on, could we pick someone current and living? Uh, the youngest, his, his favorite was Steven Seagal. Yeah. And we would always make fun of him because fucking Steven Seagal is lame. He sucks. And my favorite was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes, you, you, you can clap. You can clap. The Van Damage for all you fans out there. That's what we call them. Uh, there are th- three things that you will immediately notice about Van Damme. He's fucking handsome. He is a handsome fucking man. And he can split his legs like this. And the third thing is my favorite thing. It's called the flying roundhouse. It's when you jump, you spin, and you kick. Sounds simple, but when you see it, it's fucking badass. And if you, if you don't know this, just watch any Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, literally anyone, and he will do that shit 17 times in slow motion just so you don't miss it. Now, growing up, uh, my, my cousin's father, who is a white man from Finland and a Vietnam vet, decided that, hey, you guys are kicking, each, kicking and punching each other incorrectly. I'm going to put you guys into some classes. And that was the best years of my life, taking fucking Taekwondo and fucking learning the art that I love so much. One day, my mom decided she got this great idea that she's going to move us out of Humboldt Park where we've been our whole lives and we're going to move to Pilsen in the 90s. And we were only one of two black families who lived in that neighborhood at the time. My mom is not full of great ideas. That's that's a whole nother story. So I was taken out of classes and out of school 
And I had to spend the whole summer in this fucking new neighborhood. And I couldn't, I had to do my routines in this cramped kitchen. And I had to start a new semester of school. I had to start the seventh grade at, a, at an overpopulated Mexican elementary school. First day of school. I walk into the class and everyone looks at me as if though I am not from this planet and I'm just like, NWA is like the best group around and like Michael Jordan people, like how are you looking at me as if though I'm not from this planet? <laughs> Fucking, it's the 90s, the bulls are killing it. You've seen black people before, just come on, come on. One guy in the class, he was, the, he was the grade bully. Not the fucking class bully, the grade bully. He dominated the seventh grade. His name was Tony O'Conn. Tony O'Conn was half Asian and half Mexican, but everyone's looking at me like I'm from Venus or something. And it's just like, who the fuck is this? But he was the bully, so everybody was just like, he could be pink for all we give a shit. Just don't look at him directly in his eyes. Tony O'Connor was the great bully, and I, it's, of course, it's the first day of school. I'm all nervous, but I got that confidence because I've been taking martial arts my whole life. And we get to gym. We get to gym, and this is how gym works really quickly. This is how gym worked in this school. I was raised by women. I love women. Uh, I can exist around women and make them laugh, and I like that. The women are on this side having the fucking fun, volleyball, chatting and talking, jump rope. The fun. <laughs> Guys are on this side, digging in their noses and farting and doing this shit that they called bag tag because they, we had these 1987 shorts that came up to here and your bulge is just out and people were just fucking walking around bag tagging you. And that's what the fucking dudes did. And that's where I had to be. Yeah. So... Tony O'Conn, he's just like, hey, let's wrestle. I'm bored. <laughs> he starts throwing people around, and he's just like, oh, Tony, oh, okay, pin, yeah. He gets to me, and I, I, I use his momentum to his disadvantage, and I'm throwing Tony around, and that's, that's, I'm, 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 a, I'm a recluse. I've been held, I've been kept in a box my whole life, so I don't know about social conventions. I don't know that you don't challenge a bully's authority. I didn't know that, and I did. And Tony O'Conn was just like, you know what? I don't like you anymore. Guess what's going to happen? Does anyone know what that means? It's the international symbol for I'm whooping your ass after school. And what I didn't know at the time is that when anyone does this, it reverberates throughout the whole school, and everyone's just like, oh, shit, there's going to be a fight. And at this school, they had their own designated fighting area, and it was under the train tracks. School ends, and uh, during the summer, I had, met my, I had met a friend. We played video games all the time. His name was Roberto, and he meets me outside because, of course, he heard the international signal, and he's just like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, there's about to be a fight, you know. You'll see. And so we're walking to the fight area, and Antonio Khan is walking in front of me. All of his little fucking cronies are all hyping him up. And then my best friend is standing next to me like, hey, that alley right there, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's just run. I won't judge you, man. Let's just get out of here. He's going to beat the shit out of you. And I'm like, no, man, this cements my reputation here at this school. 
Do I become another one of Tony's lackeys? Do I get respect from the bully? Or do I become the new bully? All these things ran through my head, and that's what I'm telling them. We get to the fight area. It is akin to fucking Thunderdome. Everyone is in a goddamn circle just so there's no escape. And Tony's there, and I'm there. We're on mutual sides. Tony's lackeys are hyping him up, you know, and my best friend, instead of telling me that I'm going to eat lightning and crap thunder or whatever the fuck Mickey was talking about, he's saying, the alley, let's go. I will not judge you. Let's get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, nah, man, like, fuck that. This is happening. I turn around. Tony O'Conn is putting on fingerless gloves. I'm a very perceptive man. I've been so my whole life. And I'm just like, hmm, red flag, red flag. That's, where'd you pull those out? So we do what all elementary school kids do when they fight. We bump chests and we do shit with our hands. Like, get off me, get off me, stop, stop. While we're doing that, I realize that Tony Ocon is bigger and stronger than me. So I decide that I'm going to end this fight real quick. I fake Tony Ocon out before I say in my mind, it's morphin' time. I jump, I spin, I kick, I execute that motherfucker beautifully, and I connect with Tony O'Conn to his face. Pause. I've weighed 90 pounds my whole life. I weighed 96 pounds until I was 26. I weigh 133 pounds now. When you weigh 90 pounds, I don't give a fuck what color your belt is, you do not develop impact resistance. Unpause. When I connected to Tony's face, my, moment, my momentum immediately ceased and I fell to the ground. Everybody in the circle was just like, holy shit, did you see that? Tony O'Connell was just like, oh my God, yes. And then he proceeded to beat the shit out of me. The van damage could not save me. My best friend Roberto fucking warned me. He couldn't save me. And I realized that this shit is, I'm done. I lost. Game over. I realized that the only way I can get out of this ass whooping is if I just fucking run. I fucking run. So I grabbed my book bag. I broke through the veil of people into the street. Now, I've lived a pretty bad life up until, that, up until that point and further on in my adult life. And the universe decided that, hey, you've had a pretty rough go at it. Uh, I'm not going to kill you today. A school bus was coming down the street. And as I broke through the crowd, the school bus stopped just in time for me to hit But that's not how it looked from every other perspective. From every other perspective, I just got killed by a school bus on my first day of school. (laughs) 
I get up, I grab my book bag once again, I get up, I run up the street, I run down the diagonal street, and the alley is really long, I run up the other side of the alley, I look down the alley to see if I'm being chased, and literally everyone is looking under the bus doing this. I get, uh, I, I get, I get paranoid because I just associate it with punch, being punch drunk. And I think that someone spotted me, so I run. And I hide in an alley because I think they're chasing me. Being the only, being two, being the only, being one of only two black families that lived in a neighborhood at the time, everyone knew where I lived and everyone decided that they were going to go to my house and tell my mom that I was just killed by a school bus. <laughs> My sentiments, exactly. I get there roughly at the same time as the crowd of people, and the way my mom's house worked, was that the back door was uh, adjacent to the front door, so when you come in through the back door, you can just see through the front door, and I entered the back door, and I saw that she was at the front door talking to all these kids with her hand over her mouth, just like, and so I close the back door. She hears it, and she closes, she slams the front door, and she stomps up to me, and with a look of, I've never seen this look before my mom, because my mom's kind of an angry black woman, but um, I saw this look of, like, hope, like, I'm glad you're not dead. Look in her eyes. And then that was the second time I got my ass kicked that day. Thank you.
You've been listening to a Chirp Radio podcast of our live storytelling and music series, The First Time. Our storyteller was Clarence Browley, and The First Time 3 performed Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. The First Time 3 is Liam Davis, Gerald Dowd, and Scott Stevenson. To hear more First Time pieces, check out the series' website, firsttime.chirpradio.org. And you can find other podcasts produced by the station at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Chirp Radio, hear what's next.